Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. I'm Ben. And uh, Jamie is having a nap right now. Um, <laughs> we, we, we let him have compassionate leave to have a nap. Also, yes. our music is by Jordan. A thing that I'm remembering to say now that we're into this, I guess, season two of the podcast. <laughs> having the, the season where nothing matters anymore. There's no actual utility in the education being given to you. At, like, it will not help you understand anything anymore. No, no. So, I have to be honest with everyone. I don't remember what we were talking about before we had to fast forward to the election. Yeah, no, no. There's no way to find out either. I mean, there's, yeah, there's I, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> not going to go back and listen. Like, I just want everyone to understand that that's not happening. Yeah, I, 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 I simply will not do it. So what I decide to do is arbitrarily force us to go back to the 70s, much like Jeremy Corbyn would have made us do. Of course. Yeah, that's yeah. it. We're, we're back to the 70s. We're going to have, like, the binmen are going to be hard, but they're also going to be on strike. Yeah, yeah. It, no rubbish pickup whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And no corpse disposal, none of that. We're just having none of that. Yeah, that's it. We're going back to the good old days, man. That's it, yeah. So I think what we need to do is remember what exactly the political situation was before we get into the 70s proper. Mm. Like, maybe, maybe we need to, like, we need to sort of understand that. So, especially because in 1971, we're going to have our second coup of the Turkish government. Fuck's sake. We're coming back. 11 years, this new, you know, pr- very proportional, quite, you know, like, quite liberal constitutional order where like the military were like okay we've got to hand it back to democracy it turns out democracy could only be allowed to continue for 11 more years before it had completely shat the bed again basically <laughs> it, it, and and boy did it completely shit the bed by the way so uh 969 uh, itself was a pretty uh, what i would call a big year a lot was going on in 1969 but it kind of all of these sort of events that precipitate the coup begin in 1968 which is when we start seeing this kind of low-level left-right political violence begin Hmm. so the left-right political oh sorry go ahead ben i'm just gonna say 1968 bit of a big year in terms of that kind of stuff everywhere yeah like uh you know like i mentioned in the bonus episode uh charles de gaulle had to flee france which i think is very funny actually I think that's very funny and good that Charles yeah. de Gaulle was made to flee France. <laughs> Fucking prick. Anyway, I don't like Charles de Gaulle at all. Um, I like Charles de Gaulle's representation in the Futurama, like, straight-to-DVD movie, where oh, he's yeah? fed, like, fish food by Fry. Because <laughs> Charles de Gaulle encourages him to have a party or something. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that's... Oh, sorry. I, I feel like Charles de Gaulle's a bit of a mixed bag, you know, taking France out of NATO, all that kind of stuff, you know, putting communists in various government possessions. It kind of got rid, well, not respect that, but it's kind of, it's interesting. But then yeah, the, all the other shit. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, I, I, I once met someone who, like, unironically said that what we needed was a British Gaullism, basically. Oh, like, yes. Like, you needed, like, a British Gaullism, which, was ba- which I assume is just, like, 
a right-wing autocrat who has a military background, but who takes us out of NATO and does occasionally appoint communists to positions. Yeah. And, I'm like, and I'm like, well, I mean, on the one hand, I completely hate everything about that. But on the other hand, is it really going to be worse than what we have now? Like... <laughs> Like, Gaulism was, like, quite, a you know, in a, in a lot of ways, kind of like the sort of, you know, the split in Camelism we had in the 90s and 40s yeah. and stuff, would, like, the split between the sort of liberal economic wing who were, like, after the Great Depression, you have to immediately privatize everything, because privatizing stuff fixed the economy, and then you had Inonu who was like, well, no, the, the communism is when the government runs stuff, but I'm not a communist, but I do want the government to run stuff, because <laughs> yeah. I am not communist, but... Just going to take a, a few little redactions on this five-year plan I've sourced from somewhere. Yes, just going to cross out some things. And, <laughs> uh, and also, uh, have you all met my close personal friend, Benito Mussolini? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, again, the goal, it's Gaulism. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, it's this comfort with the far right, but, like, you sort of performatively kind of, you know, the ah. goal had a performative kind of, you know, cordon sanitaire, as they call it in France, but the Jehepa had no such feeling about no. the matter, mainly because it had never been occupied by Nazis, and was probably founded by a, partially by a fash party, at least. So, given, given that a lot of the members of the Jehepa were members of the Young Turks, uh, we, well, uh, Committee of Union and Progress, they're two different groups that are in totally. the same party. Totally different groups, it's, yeah. it, To be fair, Young Turks kind of refers to, uh, at least like the way I've seen English language people use it refers to like you know like Enver Pasha like the the named famous figures whereas the Committee of Union Progress is the political party yeah so it's kind of like the difference between like an executive and the party itself I guess there's no real functional difference it's just that members of a political party can have a variety of views it's just as, that they've rebadged re it that's all it is yeah that's kind of <laughs> and kind of the Jehepe is kind of a rebadging of that I've seen people argue persuasively that it's sort of a successor party to it. I yeah. kind of kind of buy it in a lot of ways. I mean, to be fair, listen to the early episodes. Yeah, we. Do, I do kind of buy it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I um, remember of the, the early I'm not, days. I'm not 100% sold on it, but I do understand it and think it's at least mostly true. But anyway, it's not the point of the episode. So we were talking about Gaulism, but yeah, Gaulism is quite a, quite a statist economic ideology. Interesting in that way. Mm. And it's why Macron's having such a hard time doing anything, because he wants to be Margaret Thatcher, but the country is so used to the government doing stuff that, that everyone is going mental at him whenever he does anything. Which is uh, fine right, and good. Rightly so, yeah. Rightly so, yeah, that. like, completely. Like, you know, like, French people, they don't want to retire at 64. They want to retire at 62. I want to retire at 50, you know? Yeah. <laughs> why not, you know? <laughs> why not take it further? Why not encourage the French to go further? But anyway, so yeah, 68 was a big year, uh, and a big year in Turkey as well. But the really high-profile, like, first quite high-profile incident that, like, made international news is an event called Bloody Sunday in Turkey. This is not a Bloody Sunday related to Piss Island or any of the other countries. It is Bloody Sunday in Turkey. And this happens in 1969. And, okay, so technically there are two separate Bloody Sundays, or events that are called Bloody Sunday. That oh, you, happen can't, in... you can't stop after just one, can you? Yeah, and they happen in the same place. Fuck. Possibly with the same perpetrators, but we're not 100% on that, right? Jesus. So, so there's a bit of background here. So in 1968... 
uh, the United States Sixth Fleet uh, decides to drop anchor in the Bosphorus. And part of this is because your Turkey's a NATO ally, Soviet Union, you know, they have things about the Bosphorus Strait. U.S. decides mm. to kind of deliberately agitate a country for seemingly no reason, but has decided, oh, wow. to, has decided to do that, right? And uh, actually, if you look at my, like, header image on Twitter, uh, it, it is, it will still be by the time this episode's out, it is from the protests about the sick fleet. I've just posted a picture of it in the Discord. Uh, that says, Altenjifilo Defol. Like, fuck off. Sick flotilla, fuck <laughs> off. Basically. Like, Beautiful. Like, it doesn't really mean fuck off, but it kind of does. And yeah. and yeah, and you can tell this was probably quite a strong sentiment from the crowd in the fucking picture. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, people were pissed off. Like, people were pissed off about this, right? Like, they were really, really pissed off about the, um, about the anchoring of the sick fleet. And there had been this big tension in Turkey. Because remember, Bülent Ejevit had, uh, when he was Minister of Labour, I believe, uh, in the early 60s, had legalised strikes, right? Strikes were now legal. You, could, you yes. had a legal path to strike. And the thing about a legal path to striking in a country that has recently industrialised and has insisted upon the construction of, like, you know, industrialist bourgeois class is mm. that you proletarianise a lot of the population and that creates tensions. And mm. The so some would even say, like, contradictions in contra marriage. Yeah, some might say that, and striking began. Like, people had the opportunity to withhold their, like, a legal path to withhold their labour to get pay rises. Great. And Turkey joining NATO as well, and being a very high-profile NATO member, which Turkey was, like, there, it was a big deal at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, like, this sort of labour tension was intersecting with this general anti-American sentiment that was building. And the Turkish left, like such that an organized political Turkish left existed, and this sort of emerging organized labor movement, uh, felt that the presence of an Amer of like the the being in an American alliance, which is what NATO is, like it is it is mm. the militarized wing of American foreign policy. They felt that was American imperialism. They were right. Mm. Yep. <laughs> and they were and they would protest against this, and this would intersect with labor struggles because. Like, contrary to the cucked labour movement of the UK, um, they were able to think about more than one thing at once and actually, you know, address problems as they existed. But yeah. the sick fleet arrives, and that obviously inflames it, because what does a fleet anchoring in the middle of your most, like, valuable strategic spot where all of the shipping goes through looks like? It looks like occupation to some people. Yeah. Not to mention, and, it paints a massive target on you. <laughs> yes, it does. Like, it, it, like, the Soviet Union could have been quite justified in sending ships right up to the edge of Turkish naval territory about that sort of thing. They mm. might well have been well justified in doing it because that looks very threatening, doesn't it? Because Soviet ships have to go through there. You know, the Soviet uh, Black Sea Fleet was never allowed through there. That was uh, part of the Convention on the Straits. But, like, at least not without, like, a lot of prior arrangement. But, like, you know, ships would have to travel through there. That was a thing. It pissed everyone off. It pissed off Turkish people, too. And so what happens is there's just general unrest, and people decide 
on February 16th, they, there's about 30,000 people who march on Taksim Square. Marching on Taksim Square is a long honored tradition in Turkey. We've mentioned it several times already that like people march on this particular square. It is the established thing you do when you're pissed off at the government is you march down and stick claw up to Taksim, right? And this time the police decide to intervene and, you know, beat the shit out of a bunch of people. That yeah. doesn't, uh, that doesn't succeed. Like, people get through that, right? Because the police, I don't know if their heart wasn't in it or whatever, but, you know, some, you know they, they, the, the people carry on. And once they're carrying on towards Tuxim, um, a group of fascists, organized fascists, come up and they start attacking with knives and sticks and other improvised weapons. Fuck. And, yeah, th- th- most of the violence here, in fact, pretty much most of the violence here that was not in self-defense is done by the fascists. Any, mm. like, basically all of the left-wing violence here was self-defense in this particular case. And, yeah, it, it, it is generally regarded as a uh, pretty textbook example of organized fascist violence, right? They planned this. They knew that this sort of thing was going to happen because it happens all the time in Turkey. And this really sort of is, is the starting gun on an escalation in the general left-right political tension, right? Yeah. Like, it's nowhere, we're not near the peak yet, by the way. This is not the peak of the violence. This is the, this is the starting point of the rise. So yeah. you can imagine how insane it's going to get, right? Everybody, everybody was doing this in the late sixties as well. Just like sort of, you know, just kicking off just years and years of fucking succeeding political violence, just with a yeah, a big big moment like this, you know. Yeah, and like people, people draw comparisons between this this sort of period of political violence and its sort of continuation after the military coup. Because in 1980, the 90 and 1971, to be fair, after both military coups, a lot of this stuff just carried on. Yeah. Like, they just didn't fucking stop. But they compared it to the years of lead in Italy. Yeah. Which, I mean, the years of lead stopped, to be fair. I mean, they did restart at one point, if I'm remembering correctly. But they did mostly stop. But in Turkey, they were just like, nah, no, we're enjoying this far too much. Well, you know, the, the sort of peak of it kind of died down. But yeah, I, I've just looked up the years of lead. Okay, so it ended in 1988 and then kicked off again in 1999. <laughs> Fuck. So, like... History's yeah. back, baby. <laughs> History was back very quickly in that particular. It ended in two thousand and five. Like oh, I, I would have been eleven when the years of lead officially ended the second time. <laughs> Having some kind of fucking reunion tour, are they? Yeah, I mean, you look at the you look at the groups who supported the far left groups, and you have uh, the Red Army faction. Yeah, um, yeah. Then you, you know, and then you you look at like. Um, the uh, the Gaddafi's intelligence service apparently supported <laughs> yeah. them, and yep. to, and like I'm not sure that's true, but I mean, <laughs> oh, to be fair, I mean he had a hand in just about every bit of left wing violence that was going. Oh, on absolutely, the 70s, you know? yeah, the, yeah. He even uses the traditional Arab name for their like intelligence group, Muqabarat al Jamharia, which I'm oh, going to assume yes. is like the intelligence group of the republic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming Jamharia means republic because it's like the Turkish Jumharia. Yes, I um, believe so. It, uh... Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna assume I don't speak Arabic. Like no one, no one can be mad at me for trying there. Um, 
but I look at the I look at the fucking Italian far right groups as well, and I'm looking at some of these flags, and uh, oh. this is just fucking hearts of iron shit. Yeah, it usually like, is with these it, guys. It's, it's fully fucking hearts of iron brain. Like the the new order, whose flag is just the Nazi flag, but instead of a swastika, they have an axe in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that's not even very fucking creative. Like it, like the National Vanguard's one's even more embarrassing because it's just an odal. Like that's oh. even more fucking embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like going for going for Nordic symbols. You should be going for Roman shit, surely, if you're Italian. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, like the axe makes sense because axes were part of the fasces that Roman consuls would have. Yeah. So, so you know, that makes some fucking sense. In fact, the the group called Third Position appear to explicitly have like part of the swastika and the hand holding an axe. Hmm. Like, all right, fine. I mean, obviously, all, I'm not talking about, like, the far left group's flags, because they're all just red flags, or red yeah, and black yeah. flags. Or, uh, or, like... some, seri- some serious red flags there, yeah. Yeah, well, my pink, the pink flag is when they're a member of the Red Brigades. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just imagining, like, how annoying the fucking years of lead and the political violence in Turkey would have been if we'd had social media back then. Oh, Jesus, man, like, yeah. Fucking hell! Could you like, oh, my pink flag is when they're not a member of uh, Devrim Jasol. Like, <laughs> oh my god, no, please, like, <laughs> no, we can't do it. We, you can't fucking make me imagine this anymore. No, I don't want to. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I'm, but wait a minute. Oh, I was looking like there's a Masonic symbol, and of course it's propaganda, Dewey, Of course. Oh yeah, well yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. The whole of the Tuxum Square becomes a massive battlefield. And just to give people an idea of how serious the civil unrest gets in, like, 1969... Uh, sorry, like, uh, in 1970 and stuff. Um, Istanbul University has to close. Like, the university has to close because of the amount of campus, like, organized guerrilla resistance in the fucking Holy university. Shit. Middle East Technical University had to close in 1971. And in, bear in mind, it had to close in 1971. In June 1970, martial law was imposed. Oh. So imagine how much it escalated from martial law being imposed. Fuck, man. But, but forget, forget some of that for now. Just remember Bloody Sunday, but forget the future for now. So there's this backdrop of a beginning of quite serious political violence, and Ezevit uh, made the infamous uh, the soil belongs to the people who cultivate it and water belongs to the people who use it speech statement Ooh. thing. Uh, Basically we're promising free broadband. Yeah, ne- yeah we're, we're doing water communism. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like that's the, that's, the fucking, that's the fucking shit we're dealing with. But the, uh, the bad news is, as cool as that sounds, uh, the Justice Party won a landslide in 1969. Um, uh. They fucking sm- I mean, to be fair, they lost six percent of the of the vote share, but they did gain sixteen seats. So they won two hundred and fifty six of the four hundred and fifty seats, which is a pretty comfortable majority. Yeah, uh, about six, if you like. Um, that was some quick maths there. And also, our boys, the Workers' Party of Turkey, uh, not the one that was in the election recently. This is a predecessor party that has similar iconography and also functioning the same ideology, but they are uh. not the continuous organization. No. But they won two seats. They went down by 12. You know, mm. you hate to see it. Um, and uh, yeah, the Mehepe dropped down to one seat. Hey. Yeah, so we find that kind of fun. But then, you know, there's a lot of weird fucking political parties in this parliament that basically are one-hit wonders. And also the Nation Party, who would 
probably merged with the Mehepe and all of this stuff. So, you know, the Fash parties took a kick in. They yeah. lost 35 seats between them. You know, not bad. Uh, not but bad. Unfo- unfortunately, 12 out of 14 of the like actual left-wing party seats were lost. So, you know, pluses yeah. and minuses. And okay. also, Suleiman Demerel got a bigger majority. It seems sort of like it's pushing like the quote-unquote extremes of politics into the, the margins of electoral politics and thus creating maybe even more inflamed tensions, I guess. That is actually probably a significant part of what's happening here, mm. right? Because um, there's, a, there's sort of this thing about... Um, so I have to read a lot about Roman stuff recently because of uh, the HBO Rome video I'm doing. So I've had to read a lot about Rome lately. And one of the things about like Rome's political system uh, before Augustus made it an empire, basically, mm. is that it was really stable. And until you got to, like, the very end of it, regular political violence wasn't really a thing, or it wasn't yeah. as much of a thing. And that's because, like, the political system did offer people mm. a way to, you know, win mm. that people bought into for different reasons, and perhaps stupidly, but people did believe they could win under that system. In this system, I think, first of all, I think you need to understand with, like, you know, left-wing parties, far-right parties, these sort of parties, like, winning office is not necessarily the first point, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily the first point. Not equal. I'm not saying they're the same, by the way. There are different reasons why it's not the point for both, right? And Mm. for different causes as well. One cause is good and one cause is bad. Yeah. It's just... I want to be very clear about that. I'm not saying they're the same. Being superficially similar doesn't mean they're the same. So, with that out of the way, <laughs> um, the thing is that the new constitution 1960, uh, 1961 coup, you know, that constitution that was brought in, the whole point yeah. of it was that it was a much more liberal democratic uh, constitutional body of work, right, than it was before. And, that, and the whole thing was that, like, ah, you know, well, okay, so part of the problem was that we weren't democratic enough, which was why the um, Democrat Party could entrench themselves like that and abuse, you know, legitimate political opposition in this way. Yeah. Makes sense. That's a, that's a reasonable, and the reasonable response to that is to democratize the system so that, you know, everyone feels like they can actually have a stake in the democratic system. Fine, it makes sense. It, except the Democrat Party, crucially. Except so the Democrat Party, who, yeah. who, who got banned. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, they were replaced by the Justice Party. I, I, think, I yeah. think it's fine. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm also, I'm also completely happy to ban every right-wing party. Like, yeah, I just be, absolutely. I want to be very clear. I don't think right-wing people should have a stake in any legitimate democratic system. No, um, no. I, 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 you can have your multi-party democracy, but every party has to be left of centre. <laughs> and every party has to be part of a broad front of parties. You know, like in um, East Germany. Yeah, yeah ideal, yeah. perfect. Yeah, really, that was the perfect system, where you had, like, a Christian Democrat union, but who were officially Marxist-Leninist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what I want. I want there to be a Conservative Party, brackets Marxist-Leninist, that's part of the front. <laughs> That's what I want. I finally found out what system I believe in. 
just contesting elections just as part of one broad coalition that always wins. That's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I have I have brought unity. I finally solved Britain's political problems. We all have to become Marxist-Leninist and contest it as one broad front. I yeah, fixed yeah. the problem. <laughs> but it, but but in all seriousness, so um, Suleiman Demirel gets this increased majority, right? Mm. And you would think, like, centre-right populist politician gets an increased majority, there's a lot of chaos, you would think that he, he would have the political capital and room to try and address the problems, right? In the same way that Erdogan winning the election the way he did uh, just, just recently meant that he had a bit of room to sort of cha- shuffle people around and get people in who are maybe a bit more... Uh, basically capable of doing the function of government into, yeah. into the offices. Uh, it turns out I was wrong about that, by the way. It took about two days after that podcast episode came out for the uh, inflation to increase again and the economy to deflate horribly oh, again. So I, I was wrong. It turns out they did not have the easiest job in the world and the hardest job. It was just the hardest job in the world. Uh, so they fucked it immediately. So I was wrong. Anyway, um, it took it. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it to be two days before I was proven wrong. <laughs> I think we function much better as a history podcast than a political forecasting podcast. Yeah, I think I think this is much more our strength. So Demerol wins this majority, but the problem is that you have a proportional. A nominally proportional political system, right? In elections. Yeah. And that mean, and you have, uh, so in Turkey, there's no like rules against forming your own party groups, defections, all of this stuff, right? There's, there's no rules against it. It's like a, in a lot of ways, in a lot of countries, like if you defect from a proportionally elected list, your seat mm. just goes to the next person or whatever. Like yeah. there's a lot of countries that have rules like that. That is not the case in Turkey. You, at it, it, this time or at any other time. You could form your own party group if you wanted. In fact, it happens multiple times in parliament usually. So this is very normal for Turkey. But the, the thing that particularly got Demerol is, okay, so like usually it's like four or five people, three, they form three parties between the four or five people, and, you know, it usually happens to both the opposition and the government, and it sort of doesn't, you know, ah, it, it, it balances out. out. It cancels yeah. out, and you and he has a majority of 30, so what's four or five people? Problem in Demerel's case is, it was a lot of fucking people. A ah. lot of people decided to go, because bear in mind that there's political chaos, and that there's pressure from left-wing groups, right-wing groups, um, you know, who knows who's doing, who's saying what to who behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Who the fuck knows what's going on in a lot of cases? Like, the country is descending into actual uncontrollable mm-hmm. chaos. So that, re- is refle- that reflects back onto the political system, right? Because yeah. people feel like... Some people feel like, okay, well, this government's not getting it under control. I can't sit with the government. I will then defect and form... In a lot of cases, they formed, like, weirdo... Like, weirdo kind of, like, far-right-ish parties... From the from the defectors oh, from the uh, Justice Party, but one of the big ones was actually they defected. A group of defectors went and a and they formed a party called the Democratic Party. Ah! <laughs> yeah, which Fuck. should not. Which I want to be very clear should not be confused with the Democrat Party yeah. or the other Democrat Party that exists now. Those are two different political parties, <laughs> and this is a different one. 
Okay. Oh, man. It's just and... Like... It's just the default name that comes up in the party creation screen. That's why they go for it all yeah, the time. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and like centre-right parties in Turkey, they draw on the political tradition of the original Democrat Party, right? Like, yeah. all, all right of centre parties that are not, like, the explicit Fash parties or the Turkish Hezbollah party, they, mm. you know, obviously because they're political, they draw on a completely different uh, thing. Or even... Um, even like uh, Yeniden Refah or Sadet, who are Miligurish parties, who are relevant, um, mm. they are relevant in in this in this particular context because the last episode we did that was historical, like seventy sixty historical, was about the Miligurish ideology, which is this sort of Turkish Islamism, mm. a political Islamism, um, sort of political belief system that at times poses as critical but not oppositional to. Kemalism and secularism, but at various points just explicitly says, no, no, we're going to do Sharia law. Like, you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just so we're clear, you understand, we're going to do Sharia law. Like, yeah. just to be very clear to everyone, right? But, <laughs> but this, uh, this Democratic Party actually does have an impact into the semi, so it is worth mentioning. But the, the general idea here is that they, um, so the former the, the former speaker of parliament forms this party now be, now in the uk like former speaker of parliament is kind of a nobody right like very yeah. few of them are like they they're like well regarded but among like the political class because you know that's the sort of nerd shit they're into yeah yeah um, it's just all about you know it's like being head boy at fucking private school or yeah but in turkey to become you know like speaker of the parliament is a big deal means that like a majority of MPs showed up to vote for you specifically, right? right. So it, it implies that, like, the political class, who, remember, are, like, somewhat supposed to be connected to the popular will, if you like, because of that understanding of populism that's embedded there. Because, uh, you know, um, uh, sovereignty unconditionally belongs to the people, right? You, you are an expression of that sort of sovereign will to be... And so you're an important guy. You're, like, a noteworthy guy. Yeah. And he forms, so it's a guy called Ferru Bozbeili. Bozbeili? Um, yeah, Ferru Bozbeili, who, um, that's a very odd first name. That's why I kind of struggled with it. That's uh. not, not a common first name anymore, I don't think. But he, um, but yeah, they, these are sort of the more liberal wing of the party who, much more Jalal Bayar, right? These are Jalal mm. Bayar, not, um, not like, um, uh, Adnan Menderes. This is much more Jalal Bayar than Adnan Menderes, who sort of, sort of conveniently morphed into this autocrat when it suited him and uh, was kind of a prick. Whereas Jalal Bayar was like, I maintain very stupid because he actually believed in like economic liberalism yeah. and sort of this sort of, uh, sort of really sort of weak social liberalism that's like, you know, like, I mean, not, not like on any, like, not like on LGBT stuff or anything like that, but like, just in general wanted to kind of leave people alone, yeah. but still be quite conservative in general. Just a sort uh, of specky, baldy, Hayekian nerd. Yeah, exactly. And so that was, that was the main, um, that was the main liberal breakaway. The other breakaway from the Justice Party was a party called the National Order Party. Oh. Um, which is a, which was an Islamist party, which was Nejmetin Erbakan's um, political party, and, and Nejmetin Erbakan is the person we talked about. And this is this is the weirdo far right party. I mean, traditionally, Miligarish probably sits on the far right of politics anyway. Yeah, but it was the first like explicitly 
Islamist political party in Turkey. And these split from the Justice Party. And that alongside other defections and just general bad statecraft on the part of Suleyman Demirel, which, you know, makes a lot of sense if you ever hear him speak in English, actually. Uh-huh. You, if, you, if you recall, he's finished and how shocked the BBC guy was at hearing that. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's very blunt, wasn't it? Yeah, um, that's kind of how he conducted himself generally. Now, my parents are weird about Suleyman Demirel because they're like, oh, you know, he was a great speaker. You know, he... If only he, there's this thing that like quite a few people of their age say, which is like, oh, if only he was a communist, you know, Uh, and I'm like, you don't want him being a communist, trust me, like, it's kind of like the people who are like, you know what we need, leftist Trump. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. There couldn't be that kind of person if they were one of us, that's... Yeah, that's the, that's the whole point of the, the ideological formation, right? Yeah. But, but anyway, it's not the point. So, the parliament... begins to reflect society because it's effectively paralyzed right the parliament can't pass legislation anymore because basically every opposition party had now polarized against the government so never mind like defectors fine you could expect the defectors to be like right well we're not going to work with the government at all because we've just left the party right yeah (laughs) not our not our circus not our monkeys at that point right that was kind of their view so the Jehepair, you know, like, yeah, they they were like, no, our role in this parliament has to be opposition. That's what we were elected. You know, we came second and we, we got beaten badly. So we're being yeah. opposition. That's our our role in this parliament has to be to be opposition. Yeah, you, you know, just, if you can't just be yeah. welcoming shit and urging the government to go further, for instance. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, exactly. And they're like, and they're like, well, you know, if you do good stuff, we'll vote for it. But you're not going to do good stuff because you're the Justice Party. Like, yeah. That was, you know, like, it surprised us, basically. And then you have all of these smaller parties, like the Mehaper and the Nation Party, and, um, you know, the Workers' Party, and a few independents. And, like, you're basically muddling, like, the Workers' Party, you know, dead on arrival, no chance of doing any deals with them. They're basically a Marxist party. Suleiman Demirel's sort of general political outlook, it will surprise people to know, is very anti-communist. Damn. Will will not, will not, it's not like the, this is in great contrast to like, we were talking about them, I think, off recording, the LDP in Japan, right? Yeah. Like, because the LDP in Japan, they'll do fucking deals with whoever the fuck they need to do deals with. Oh, yeah. Like, like the LDP in the, like, 1992 or 1994 or whenever it was, they just put in a socialist as prime minister, stole all his policies, (laughs) Had a snap election, then destroyed his party at the next election <laughs> by taking credit for it. Like that's, that's the thing about them; they don't really have an official ideology except staying they, in power. They, they, okay, right? Like they kind of their ideology is um, basically the basic the way the L, the way the LDP works is really fucking weird. But they basically determine what they do through basically local associations that interact with, like, key stakeholders, like, local businesses, and, like, even some trade unions, incidentally, in Japan. But, like, and, like, um, notable locals who are, like, party organized and stuff. And that's basically how they decide how to pork barrel, and they yeah. do it really fucking well. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. The, and the LDP are, like, like, completely not afraid to just be like, oh, this socialist policy? Yeah, we'll take it. Like, unemployment insurance and shit like that. Yeah. Like, Straight up stole it from like the Socialist Party, and it's it's something called the 1955 system, where they basically deliberately arranged political alliances. Once they had, if they had a majority, they would run a majority government. 
but they would always have like a junior party that they would pilfer the ideas from. So now it's this party called Kone, which is like the political wing of a Buddhist religious movement. But mm. that's where the LDP is pilfering a lot of its sort of like soft pro-LGBT kind of stuff from. Right. And, and Kome are like um, center-right pro-China party, but they're, but they're like softer on like social stuff. So they use that alliance as an excuse to sort of bolster that wing of the party because mm. they're like, look, we're in the Western bloc. We can't be like saying gays illegal. Like they're, they're yeah. like, they're, they're trying to be like ruthless pragmatists about it, but they yeah. would do it with the socialist party and all of this lot. And you know, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, you, can't, you can't go saying like being gay should be illegal until America realigns the world to think that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah th- that's exactly it. And, and at the moment, the alignment is that gay is not illegal, which, you mm. know, all right. But they, they didn't, um, but yeah, the LDP sort of function like this. That's a very clever political strategy, by the way. Oh yeah. That is a that is a and the whole point of it was to keep the Japanese Communist Party out of power, which give the broad anti-communist sentiment and the fact that the Socialist Party hated the Communist Party because they were competing over the same voters meant that they could effectively run the system as they liked, as they had a majority or a minority in the par- in the Japanese parliament. Yeah. The, the the Justice Party has no such statecraft because Turkish politics already has polarized significantly at this point. The time to run like a 1955 system in Turkey would have been like after the military coup, basically. Like yeah. Ismet Inanu had to be the person to run that system and he didn't run it. Oh, to be fair, there was grand coalition and stuff like that, but they just didn't fucking run it, right? Like absolutely no. didn't run it that way. In because fact, the, the, co- the coalition governments collapsed in series, if I seem to remember. Yeah, in like months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they immediately disagreed on everything because they are the main op- opposing parties in the. And also, like, one of them was not super massive compared to the other, right? Yeah. Like, it helps in for the LDP that they're like so far and away the most popular party that they can effectively pick and choose. And smaller parties are just grateful for the to to look like they're serious political parties a lot of yeah. the time. You know, that's kind of that's kind of it. But in Turkey, does no such thing, and you've, we're already at the point of political violence, left-right political violence. It do, you can't, even if Suleyman Demirel was like, we need to form a grand coalition with the JHP, would have said no. They're like, are you crazy? We'll get assassinated if we do that. Yeah. <laughs> in some, in some, and, and in fact, once such a, spoiler alert for the 1971 coup, a kind of semi-technocratic government of that variety was built, people did get assassinated for forming that government. Uh, and we, we will come to that. But, yeah, Suleiman Demerol basically could not do anything. So, like, all of these smaller parties, you could maybe muddle through a thing with them. You could maybe pass... You, I mean, they couldn't pass a budget. That was kind of one of the main fucking problems here. Yeah. They, could, they could kind of pass a budget to keep the lights on. But the fact that you're basically scrambling to keep the lights on means that you don't have the political space to deal with the, the increase in political violence. And the fact mm. that you've excluded by being a majority government, so many different political factions from, like, politics, basically, at that point. Yeah. It's polarizing everyone. So yeah. it's getting worse. And, and not, also not standard livings are getting worse, yeah. you know. Not to mention that you're also essentially just straight-jacketed by all this ex- external pressure. So even, even if you could, like, politically maneuver because of the threat of assassinations, for instance, you just can't do it. Yeah, like, yeah, like, if, like, if, um, Salman Demerol went, I would like to form a nat. We the only thing left is to form a national government with the Jehepe. Mm. Immediately, far right people would have gone fucking berserk. Yeah. If he had said, "I'm going to form an alliance with, um, you know, the Miligurish Party," 
the military would have cooed him immediately because yeah. he's allying with an Islamist party. If he had said, you know, we're going to do a confidence and supply agreement with, you know, the unity party who were like this small Alevi interest political party in Turkey, the far right would have gone berserk. If, you know, if you muddle through with independence, a lot of the independents were ethnic Kurds. Like, what do you, what do you think that's going to fucking invite onto you? Like, there's, there's no, like, structure by which you can form a stable government. But Suleyman Demerol insisted on carrying on. It's a bit, and you know, and you begin to look like Theresa May, basically, at that point. And strong and stable. Yeah, but you're looking like Theresa May in a system that has already collapsed into political violence, right? Like, it's, it's like, imagine Theresa May doing Brexit during the Troubles. (laughs) <laughs> like that's that's basically what we're dealing with here, right? Oh. It doesn't fucking work. Of course, it doesn't work. Like that's not and that's and you know, like I don't like Suleiman Demirel. I think he's a terrible politician in terms of doing the job of politician and in terms of policy. A lot of this isn't his fucking fault. To be fair, <laughs> like a lot of this is his fault because his political faction specifically supports far right violence. But like the actual politics straitjacket he gets put in, he's just like I can't fucking deal with this. Right, <laughs> but the oh. but the but the low level violence gets it begins to escalate, right? And so what happens is you get rural and urban guerrilla groups as well as far right paramilitaries. So like a lot of students in Turkey began looking at like Latin America, yeah. right? Big big thing at the time, right? Latin American student groups, you know, doing like resistances and stuff. That was a big thing, and that news would come to Turkey. And so you would start seeing, like, basically campus leftist groups doing, like, kidnappings and bank robberies and all of this shit, right? Hell yes. And, and like, kidnappings was one of the big things, big things back then. Like, um, a lot of Turkish leftist groups, and we will talk about a couple of specific incidents in the uh, next episode when we, like, get up to the coup and beyond. But, like, a lot of the kidnappings were of NATO soldiers. Oh, damn. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, demand ransoms and stuff like that, and you would use it to buy your weapons from, you know, whichever Soviet double agent happened to be in town that time. That is a real reference to a real person, by the way. There is a Soviet double agent involved in some of these stories. Oh, undoubtedly, um, yeah. Has yeah, to no, 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 and like a named famous Soviet double agent. Like, oh, incredible. Like, he, was, he worked for America, but was a Soviet double agent, which I think makes him the coolest person, but I think he was executed for treason by America. So. Ah. You know, you know. roundabouts. Yeah. So just to sort of paint a picture of how chaotic things have gotten by 1971, just before the coup. Um, basically, university professors who are critical of the government, and like, you you've got to understand, like, being critical of the government could range from like, from a university professor could range from, I am actually the cultural Marxist indoctrinating your children to. I just don't think the government's got a good grip on this terrorism stuff. Yeah, that is yeah. genuinely the range of fucking opinion we're talking about. Like, and that professor's and, name was Albert Einstein. I mean, it could have been he was invited to move to Turkey. Um, oh, was he? Yeah, he yeah. was, but he did, he he declined. Um, is that before or after he turned down the position of prime minister of Israel? <laughs> it was president of Israel. Actually, oh, was it president? And was it? It was so. president, and it was before. It was during World War Two. They offered him uh, refuge, basically. Oh, right. Um, because they because that was one. It would have been like a really high profile thing to have, and two, that story is always propagated because it fits in with the Turkish sort of narrative of how they behaved in World War Two, even though they behaved 
kind of effectively as an access power in a lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? That's, that, you know, um, that's just, that's the game, baby. You gotta sell that chromium. Um, <laughs> until, 19, until 1944, apparently, you had to sell the chromium to the Germans. Yeah. No clue why, but hey, you could have sold it to the fucking allies at a premium. They were fucking desperate. Actually, to be fair, Germany was maybe more desperate. That was probably the point. Um, you know, maybe they just wanted to be the Sweden of the South and sell vital war materials to the Axis from another angle. Yeah, you know, it's a lucrative industry. Um, mm. A lot of questions to be asked. I guess we did talk about that a little bit in the old episodes, but yeah. Um, so, so these professors who are like publicly expressing criticism, um, fascists bombed their houses. Oh. Like, like they, they, they fully like just bombed their houses. And b- consider, look, like, again, it is not justified under any circumstances, but just consider the range of opinions I offered to you and think about, like, whether that's, like, that just gives you an idea of how tense everything was. Oh, that, yeah. like, you know, man, maybe this violent stuff should stop. And then you get your house bombed for your fucking trouble. <laughs> Uh, is 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 not great. No. It's not ideal, I would say, for that to happen. So that's that's an example of one of the things that would happen. In 71, uh, basically in the first three months of 1971, there had been so much strike action in Turkey that they lost more, like, working days than in any other year in the history of the country. Uh, up to that point. That's in the first three months. Not even the first full three months, by the way. Like, the the country had ground to a fucking halt, basically, at this point. Is, is there a generation of, like, 70s Turks that are always banging on about, like, the winter of discontent or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them just participated in the strikes, and so they don't... Um... Good stuff, good stuff. We like there's, a lot, there's, there's a lot less... I think there's a lot less of that. I, don't, I, I, th- I think, you know, at least, hmm. at least, like, because a lot of Turkish people, you know, you look at their grandparents from rural Turkey, Nothing yeah. to do with like the proletarianized urban strikes that are going on, right? Gotcha. So, so there's no like, it's not like the UK where the UK was already an advanced industrial economy, so everyone was already you know oh. connected to that econ- econ- economic system, right? That political economy. So everyone bangs on about it because it fucked everyone. Which, by the way, is the point of strike action. It's leverage you build, right? Yeah. But yeah. I kind of get, I kind of get a little wound up by like. The disruption is the point. And I'm like, yeah, but like it's for leverage. You you understand it's leverage. Like you're not just going out yeah. of your way to piss people off. It's to get leverage. Um But anyway, so I already mentioned the National Order Party, which was this Islamist party of the Miligurish uh tradition. And they just openly started saying, Yeah, you know, like, look at all this chaos. Isn't that the Kemalism system in action? And we're gonna bring in like a grand mufti. They didn't say grand mufti, but like we're gonna bring in like Islamism, baby, and that's gonna fix everything. And the government could not do anything about this. Like it just was not in any position to do anything. So you can you can see if this does this feel familiar? Does the does the sense mm. that the government has lost complete fucking control of everything sound familiar? Does a little bit, yeah. 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 Like they've just completely lost. And that is uh well mm, what we what we would call suboptimal, let's say. It is a, <laughs> it is a suboptimal uh political situation to be in. Um like just the government straight up could not do anything. 
And so yeah. we're going to talk about the specifics of the coup in a bit. But this all, well, in the next episode, this all culminates in the first Turkish coup by memorandum, which is basically the head of the army sent a letter to the prime minister basically saying, yeah, it's, it's time to, it's uh, time it, to, get, it's time to go. Otherwise we're going to make you go. Yeah, it's, it's over. I mean, you, you see you're the government, but you haven't governed shit so far. Yeah, they're like, look, the, the, the fact is that there is so much chaos that we might have to step in. So it's time to either fix the problem or fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, and, and, you know, and, you know, they, they um, basically, the, the memorandum basically says that, like, we need a strong and stable government. I mean, that's basically the exact wording as well, by the way. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, like, okay, it's strong and credible, but still, like, it's so close. Um, oh. And they're like, we need a strong government that will fix the fucking fact the country has descended into complete anarchy yeah. and has to pass the laws, the, you know, because remember the Constitution. Um, the promise of the Constitution was that there would be these sort of, th- this reform in Turkish society, that it would, it would, change significantly that's kind of what the constitution promised it didn't implement the promises it required it be it happened through parliamentary consensus and they're like we need a government who's going to do this shit because apparently not doing this shit caused all this violence so can we can we can we perhaps sort that out and bear in mind the economy is in free fall people are assassinating each other in the streets and Basically, the uh, the army basically said in the letter, like, "Look, sort this out, or we're sorting you out." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 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 fully like Max Dad and Always Sunny, where it's like, "Don't try to take care of it, or I will have to take care of you." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's fully that bit. Like, and uh, we'll talk about the reaction to that after, and also some more of the build up because there is some more. Of the of of a build up to come before we deal with this memorandum, but the country has gone fucking berserk. It's gone bananas. Uh, it's 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 over. It's never been more over than it already is. Oh boy, like it's never been more over. And uh, yeah, Suleiman Demirel has the has the, I think he might be the only center right politician in the history of the world to have been cooed by an Operation Gladio military. <laughs> yeah like he might actually be the only one ever like that is really embarrassing actually how do you get cooed by a military aligned to the americans as a center-right politician apparently yeah. this is how <laughs> it's fucking embarrassing you know beautiful beautiful you know let's count the turkish military to just come completely out of left field sometimes you know yeah i mean to be i mean one one of the bonuses as soon as i find any actual like documents about it because there's so little written about it but i people insist to me that it exists there was a le- an attempted left-wing military coup around this time oh. but the military kind of decided that they're like nah we're not left-wing and decided nah. against it <laughs> they just kind of decided yeah like you know like i get it you're all young officers and you're kind of left-wing but also nah we're not, not doing it. Not happening. <laughs> We're not doing a left-wing coup. But they're like, but we want to do socialism. Like, what? Like, but we have guns and we want to do socialism. I'm like, they're like, well, you're welcome to try. <laughs> like, <laughs> see what happens, you know? Um, oh, beautiful, man. Uh, anything is possible in Turkish politics. That's right. You know, anything could happen. You could, you know, we could have had a Turkish carnation revolution. 
Oh, yes. Like, just think about that. You could have had the Turkish Carnation Revolution. I've always wondered why Portugal has a Socialist Party and a Social Democratic Party, and the Social Democratic Party is centre-right. And I just thought <laughs> yeah. it was just, I just thought it was like a very honest Social Democratic Party. But it turns, <laughs> but it turns out it's like constitutionally Social Democratic as a country. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like, it is just like constitutionally Social Democratic because of the Carnation Revolution. That's fucking cool. But we could have, look at the future we could have had. We could have had the Jehepeh as a centre-right party. Wait, oh, oh wait a minute. Shit, shit. <laughs> Wait a minute, someone's saying something in my ear. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh yeah. no. <laughs> um, and then we could have had like a Turkish workers' party as like the governing party as a left party. Oh, oh. Could, you, could you have imagined? What, oh. a, what, what a country it could have, what a paradise on earth Turkey would have been in that. I'm sure there would have been no strife whatsoever. Bring it, it back to, got... bring it back to the start when it was the Turkish Socialist Republic. Oh, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, the, the tricks they did to get Comintern money. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, man. Yeah, that's it, yeah. That's, that's why so many Twitch streamers are communists now. Yeah, that's it. They're, they're, they're trying to get Comintern funding, but they're too stupid to have realised that Comintern doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get those Kremlin bucks, and we've just drastically like, <laughs> we've misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, we've wildly misunderstood Putin's politics. Uh, it turns out the guy saying that Lenin was too soft on the periphery isn't a communist. What? Shit, man. And also, he was blaming the wrong guy. It was Trotsky's fault. But any, uh, well, you know, it was. I mean, it was always Trotsky's fault. All of it. No, but no, but like <laughs> this specifically was because he did the no war, no peace plan. And then the Germans just took a bunch more land and imposed an even worse peace on the Soviet Union. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so this that actually was Trotsky's fault, everyone. If you if you if you want to know what my problem with Trotsky is, it's that he's an incompetent dickhead. Yeah. And my maybe, problem with Trotskyists is that they're all nonsense. Maybe maybe Putin is a secret Trotskyist. Maybe that's why he omitted that and just blamed Lenin instead. Yeah, I might have to I might have to cut the nonce bit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> What are they going like, to do? What are they going to do? You know? What are they going to do? Are they going to prove they're not nonces? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the SWP getting on my case. So, oh, like, yeah. The oh. unblemished record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Famously, right? Yeah. Anyway, everyone, that has been... We're back. And we're in the 70s, just like I promised. Back to the 70s. You can tell because there's, like, chaos, there's strikes, there's... Bilan Ejevit. Um, oh. <laughs> there's still Isma Inonu as the leader of the Jehepe. Is there still Arplus Lantarkis? Yeah, there is. Ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be a feature in Turkish politics until he dies. Ah, and probably dies very late, I expect. Oh, yeah. And he's going to get a state funeral and all. Oh, yeah. That's fucking yeah. Titan of the political stage, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was deputy prime minister lots of times. Yeah, so <laughs> like, a con- like constantly returning rash. Like, yeah, I mean, he eventually even went into coalition with a certain Bülent Ejevet. Fuck. Actually, no. To be fair, that was Devlet Bacheli. Alparslan Turkesh had died by then, I think. So, but yeah, Devlet Bacheli. I mean, oof, what oh. a character here! The man who basically had like a childhood relapse and cried about biscuits during a political <laughs> rally. <laughs> the equivalent of the Mike Gapes milk speech, but Turkish. And of course it was a fash politician, by the way, who, who was the Turkish Mike Gapes. But anyway, everyone, uh, that's, been, that's been the episode. Make sure you check out the bonus. It was actually a very good bonus this time, and we actually talked about the topic for most of it. Yeah, we did very well there. Stayed on task. 
Yeah, and uh, we met the fascists. I'll insert the music there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we met the fascists in this in the seventies uh, uprisings and uh, various political strifes. So yeah, if you want to learn a bit more about that, head on over to the bonuses. There are also lots of bonuses about all sorts of stuff, um, including Eurovision. Apparently, yeah, some of it's even relevant to Turkey. Something. So yeah, some sometimes it's about Turkey. Sometimes it's not. Um, a lot of a lot of the time it's not um, but anyway thanks everyone we will catch you on the next one see ya cheers everyone bye